0: Rock Harbor. Good Good to see everybody this morning. We're getting started. Uh, Today on page 21, (laughs) I couldn't remember, sorry. Page 21 in our study guides, the Christ-sent life. The central truth is that being sent by Christ is a high privilege and serious responsibility. I want to key in on serious responsibility. That we have been given anytime uh, you have been given anything to look after, um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Um, you know, we usually learn this concept uh, when we're kids. Your parents give you responsibilities, we call them chores. You have chores to be responsible for. The chores were preparing you for the real chore, which was life. That's what it was there for. You had to do it, you had to grind it out. Nobody likes chores. I mean, nobody really likes carrying responsibility, but it's what you, you know, you learn that as a kid. You teach that to your kids. It has to be done. Somebody's got to do it. And so um, we switch over and we talk about the the cause of Christ and the responsibility that you and I have been given to carry the name of Jesus. Do you realize that you are carrying this morning the name of Jesus? Amen. You have the responsibility of carrying his name and being a representative of the kingdom. Amen. That's some kind of serious responsibility. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And so, you know, if you were a, uh, when you were a kid, I keep referring to this because I think it's more relatable. When you was a kid, with a kid mentality, if you didn't like the way something went, you try to quit. You just try to get out of it. It's like, I don't like this. I'm going to quit. And your parents would grab you and say, you ain't gonna Get back in there. <laughs> you get back in there and finish this thing. Yeah. And he was like, I don't want to play this game no more. We didn't like to play it because we wouldn't get in our way. Yeah. And it wasn't going the way we wanted to. You learn that at a very young age. And see, being a representative of, of the kingdom works a lot the same way. I, I mean, if you were asking me, do I always get what I want? No. Do I throw a fit sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Do I get upset? And over the years, have I got frustrated and upset over things that maybe I shouldn't have got upset over? Sure. But I had to grow up in it. You grow up in the kingdom and you learn you can't quit this thing.
1: But
0: you can't just you can shuck it time. off and pretend like it, you know, you're not playing. It's like, I'm not going to be a part of this. Well, too bad. You're a part of it. I always, uh, Death is the great equalizer, right? Death is the great equalizer. I've thought about this. I was, I was reading some scripture uh, the other day in Ecclesiastes, and it was it really, I like to think about this kind of stuff. Death being the great equalizer, I mean, whether you really want to be in on this or not, the equalizer says you're in. Because one of these days, everybody's going to die, and they're all going to face the Lord, and we're going to give a count. A count. What is that? We're going to have to... If you don't do it now, you're going to do it then. You're going to be held accountable and be held responsible right, right, for what was put in your plate and what was given to you. So I figure it's probably best that we go ahead and do it now. I would rather do it now and and take it than to uh, deny him and then have to take accountability for it later. So wonder. Let's Get Started it says every person needs a purpose for living. For believers, our pur- purpose is clear to represent Jesus to the world. When Jesus sent out the 12, he gave them specific instructions in how they were to represent him. Though times and cultures have changed over the centuries, our purpose uh, is the same as that of the disciples, to represent him regardless of the persecution and to fearlessly share his message to others. Hasn't changed, right? Still the same. Mm -hmm. Culture's changed, yes, that's true. Uh, We're not living in those days. We are living in in, uh, different times. But the message is still holding true, and the responsibility is still the same. Yes, we have it quite easy here, which should actually raise an awareness for, for, for mature people, for, for people that are mature in the faith. You understand that there's a, a danger to it being easy. There's a danger because there's this, um, there's this possibility, even a probability, that you fall asleep before the completion of the task. Because everybody knows when things are easy, we have a tendency to relax. And I know that I, I know that our culture is changing, and there's a lot of things that are raising awareness. There are, the, you could say that the the alert, the red alert, is going off. I don't know what the uh, uh, the DEFCON is uh, for nuclear war of the highest level. What's the highest level of DEFCON? Is it four or five? Uh, yeah, we're at like DEFCON four and seven eights.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like, it's really, really high. Uh, Like, wake up, everything's changing. What side are you on? What are you going to do with your faith? These things are um, happening right now in front of us. And so uh, we have the responsibility, regardless of culture, to be alert and aware and to carry this message. It says he will empower us through the Holy Spirit to carry out the task he has set before us. In today's lesson, we will look at the missional plan Jesus handed down to the disciples. In addition to the preparing the twelve for their immediate mission to a limited audience, Jesus also gave clear instructions for the outgoing evangelistic task assigned to his followers throughout history until he returns. Like the disciples, we are sent by Jesus to announce the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, 7. Okay. I know this is an introduction. We're going to talk about this here in just a minute, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page here when it comes to this proclamation because there's been a lot of, I, I see this more often in the last couple of years than I ever have. It's like, okay, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, well, people keep trying to break that down. They're like, well, what does that mean exactly? Is the return of Christ really close? Let's look at the signs. And then you've got this person that believes it this way, and this person believes it this way. And all these these people have these... these um, caveats in the way that they believe that the return of Christ is coming or is the kingdom of God really at hand? It's like, enough with the nonsense. Enough with the nonsense. Your responsibility, and I say responsibility, your responsibility is to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The return of the Lord is soon. That's your responsibility. Some people would ask, when? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The commission is is that Jesus is He said, if I go away, one day I'm going to return. So your proclamation is, he is soon at hand. Okay, now whether that comes in the form of him returning, and you get to be a part of that, or if it's through the grave. Because, I mean, really, if you want to look at it this way, this is the way I look at it, it's like, well, I mean, I'm probably going to be here for about 80 plus years, maybe 90, Um, that's not a really long time anyway. So from the death standpoint, from the grave standpoint, is the Lord at hand? Yeah. We're not going to hear this song anyway. And so I, I get a lot of people debating about that. It's like, do you believe in the return of the Lord? Yes. Stop worrying about exactly when it's going to be and just live like it's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Live like it's today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Actually have a life that's dedicated to the sole purpose of actually carrying the message out. If you know, or let me say it this way, we'll talk about this more here in a minute. If you believe that the Lord is at hand, if you believe the return of the Lord is at hand, you believe it's a serious deal, you'll live like it. Mm-hmm. My mom would tell me, she's like, you know, my dad was a truck driver, he'd be gone two or three days, and if I did something wrong, he would. she would tell me. She's like, your dad said you better get them leaves raked up before he comes home. And she would remind me, because I would just you know, total procrastination, wait till the last minute. And so she was like, you realize he's coming home today? When? (laughs) I don't know. He's just coming home. I run out there and I'm raking like a madman. I'm doing everything I can to get the thing cleaned up. It's like, we keep asking the wrong questions about the return of the Lord. You don't need to be worried about the exact day, the exact time, you just need to know that he's coming. Amen. You need to know that you ain't living only forever. That's right, only he knows. That's
1: right.
0: And we're too concerned about the little things that are going on, you need to be concerned that you're not gonna live here forever. As a matter of fact, your life could be taken from you. Forget about long life, what if your life's taken from you? It's over, you stand before the Lord, what then? So is, is the is the Lord, is the kingdom of, of, of heaven at hand? You betcha. But in more perspective than one. It,
1: what's implied here is a sense of urgency.
0: Yeah, urgency. And
1: it's literally saying it's within touching. It's, it's, it's at hand. It's
0: very close. Absolutely. See, this has been announced since the resurrection. And once the resurrection was done, then the disciples, this was their core message going out and preaching. Two thousand years ago, the return of the Lord is at hand. So some would make the argument. It's like, well, you know, that was two thousand years ago. I want to recall, I want to remind you once again. Don't get caught up in those dates and times. You'll get caught slipping. You'd be more worried about. Well, we we got time. No, you you really don't. You don't you don't have any time. You ain't got no time with the unpredictability of life and the way things happen. don't you don't have no time this is this has been conveyed to me by the holy spirit he's like you don't even understand what you're playing with you don't even understand you don't have time and you have to announce it as such and you have to live your life as such you need to pray as such pray like it's your last moments urgency urgency okay and like the disciples we were encounter persecution and hardship as we obediently take up our crosses and follow jesus but if we give up our lives for Him, going wherever He sends us, we are promised life eternal. Absolutely. All right, let's read some scripture. Miss Hinton is with us. Come on. Would you please read? Yes, please. Matthew ten one. Jesus called His twelve disciples together and gave
1: them authority to cast out evil spirits every kind of disease and illness. Jesus sent out the 12, uh, the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessings It is not take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Students are not greater than their teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? That not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hair, hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will
0: find it. Amen. Amen. A lot of identification there, if you notice in the scriptures. A lot of ad- identification of the requirements. And, and, and really God's uh, superiority um, in the way that he sees us and the way that we should perceive our lives here. I think those are great scriptures. All right, part one sent by Christ. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles to take his message to the towns of Israel. Like them, Jesus commissions us and sends out to serve as his representatives, carrying the gospel to the world. Jesus told the 12 to focus on the Jewish population. As God's chosen people, they were to be given the opportunity here that the kingdom of heaven is near." All right, so um, what he was telling them, he said, I want you to focus on the the Jewish population, obviously knowing um, with his uh, death and resurrection that the Gentiles will be grafted in. So he's like, you know, spread the word, spread the message. And this is easily translatable uh, for your personal circle. And I've I've said this many times, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but your personal circle. So really you have to ask yourself, okay, what is my personal circle? And it's everybody that you come across in a day's time. It's God has given you that area. And it's like we think, you know, we think about, we fear, I'll put it that way, we fear God sending us somewhere. I pray you don't send me to Africa or send me to some foreign country to be an evangelist. We're always worried about being called. But here's the thing is that you need to understand the scope of what you've already been given like right now, like what you're around. Forget about being um, miraculously called to some faraway place. What about here? What about your circle? What about the people that are around you? What about your, what about your own friends and family? So We often think in larger scales, and we always think God's going to send us over here, send us over there. No. Take a couple steps back and look about, look at the people that you are crossing paths with right now those are the people you need to be touching those are the people that you need to be having conversations with and 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 trying to not yes invite them to church but that's not the gist of it i hope that's not there I, I hope that's not our only version of witnessing you're coming church with me sometime that's good thank you for doing it okay make, make sure make sure you don't think i'm knocking you that's good but you need to we need to be having harder conversations we need to be asking, do you, so, so what do you think? Where, where do you think you'll go when you die? That's a great conversation starter. Where do you think you'll go? Uh, I don't know where do you think you'll go. I'm going to go to heaven. I know Jesus is my savior. I'm just, I'm just asking. What do you think? You see what I mean? You just get in that conversation. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's actually get in and dig a little bit. I have a, a good friend of mine. Uh, a good friend of mine. Went to high school with him, known him, been around him uh, ever since those days. And uh, I always ask him about coming to church. He can come to church with me, come to church with me, come to church with me. He knows where I stand. We've been, he knows ever since we were kids. He knows where I stand. I had a conversation with him the other day. And uh, he's always teasing me, always teasing me about He's like, you know, hey, I serve Buddha. He doesn't. He just teases me about it. That's, you know, that's the way it happens. You know, he's just always teasing me. And I said, and I, and I said this to him. I said, no, listen, now, I could have let it stop there. I could have let it drop, but the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. He's like, don't, do no, don't drop it. Because I know y'all always joke, but don't drop it here. Pick it back up. I said, listen, I need to, I, I, I want to ask you something. Really, really. You realize this thing is wrapping up, right? And he just, he just looked at me. And I said, man, I think Jesus is coming back soon. I said, I think he's coming back soon. he goes, and right then, I didn't have to say much more. It hit him right in the heart. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. And I said, I'm serious, man. I tell you, this thing is really wrapping up. I said, it's a serious deal what we're doing, right? Now. It's a serious deal. I said, man, well, you never know when your life could be taken from you or when he could make a return. He said, I know, man. I know. And he shook his head like this. And the Holy Spirit was like, that's enough. That's it. You don't have to say anything else. What was it? You got to the... Open the door. The door's open. We got through the heart of the matter. The Lord started dealing with him. I don't have to do anything else. Am I going to follow up? Yeah, you betcha. I'm going to follow up. Because it was a real moment. And so sometimes we have to dig a little bit. Sometimes I say, oh, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm not talking about you coming to church with me. And you always tease me. And I always tease you. And you're going to say no. And I'm going to say you should. And we're going to do this back and forth. And then we're going to be done. Stop for just a minute and take it one step further. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Do you do you really know that this thing is about to wrap up? Do you really know that we don't have much time on this earth? Do you really know that there's a lot of stake here and there's a heaven and there's a hell? And let's put people in those situations to answer those questions. I I think we always I think we're I think we've we've had some experiences back in our past and in our lives that, and I'm not saying your experiences are relatively negative. But I, I will also say that you might be surprised how ripe people are right now. How ripe they are. Waiting for somebody to ask them about Jesus. I talked to a young man. Sorry, I'm kind of getting off base here. I just want to tell you this. Because it was interesting to me. I talked to this young man. He's uh, 17 years old. Um, had seen him in a while. And... Um, He's, he had played basketball with my boys and, and we've had a connection with him when he was really young and I hadn't had a chance to really speak with him and we were in a store and things were moving through the line and I don't have you know it's one of those times you don't have a lot of time to talk you got to keep moving 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 and so I'm in this place He could have asked me any question. He could have asked me any question about he could asked how the boys were doing he could have asked anything He didn't ask any of those questions. He said, "How's the church doing?" Seventeen years old, and he starts asking me how my church is doing. You think, well, what's the big deal? Oh, that's weird for a seventeen-year-old to ask that. Seventeen-year-old yeah. going to ask you how your church is doing? I said, man, the church is doing great. Man, I'm glad you asked. I said, man, I sure like to have you. He goes, I might come out sometime, man. That was it. That was the end of the conversation. We didn't have no more than he didn't ask about the family. He didn't ask me anything. He asked about the church, ripe, ripe. Yeah. ripe. Something's going on in him that needs to be picked. And I'm thinking, you know, if you're just a part of the process of, of seeing that, I don't care if it happens with me, but God forbid, I'm not a part of the process of making sure that seed gets fertilized, right? It doesn't all have to be done by you. You don't have to be the one to to plant it and to reap it and to, the whole thing. You don't have to be a part of the whole process. Just make sure you're part of the process. So anyway, I was encouraged by that. I really did I thought about that I left there and I thought, man, what an interesting what an interesting connection there. Now I could we could have I could have missed it you know because when you're in the and you ain't seen someone in a while you know you don't always want to talk to them, but it was just instant. It's like I'm gonna take just a chance here I'm gonna chat with you and And even though it wasn't there wasn't a lot that come out of it, but you have to pay attention to the signs. Pay attention to the people around you right now. Pay attention to the people around you. They could be giving you the signs that they're ready. Does that make sense? Okay, sorry. Well,
1: uh, we were in Arkansas over Christmas and stuff, and which, you know, uh, Danny's uh, mom and them, they don't pray like we do. Mm -hmm. And, And, of course, we say blessings every time before we eat. And, you know, we're talking, but I say plant the mustard seed because, what, Christmas Day... Your mom stepped up and said, can I say the blessing? Well, mm-hmm. and and yes, she actually got emotional too. She
0: got very I, knew emotional. It was, I knew it was touched up and was working on her. What an honor for you two to witness that.
1: It was. It, was, I, it yeah. made me cry too, you know, just hearing her.
0: Think about the representation. Think about the way that you guys, you live mm-hmm. and, and it, it's beginning to affect mm-hmm. the people in your circle. That's great.
1: And especially when his sister and stuff they're non-believers mm-hmm. but to actually sit there and be quiet and be thankful to sit there and listen to it and have a sister even said, that was a really nice blessing think, you know
0: absolutely that's great you see him progress that's that's progress. fantastic yes encourage you, i'm encouraging you church mm-hmm. um, pay attention to your surroundings pay attention to the people that you got around you all right through the book of acts when the apostles visited the city they went first to the Jews, usually in their synagogues, to give them the opportunity to turn to Jesus. Then they shared the gospel with the Gentiles of the area. The Jews had waited centuries for the Messiah. However, they expected him to deliver them from Roman tyranny and establish an earthly kingdom, much like King David's. This expectation became a stumbling block to them. That's interesting. It's like, well, hold on a second here. The expectation become a stumbling block to them. That's true. It did. And that should teach you a lesson about expectations. It's like, well, okay, well, what was he here to do? If he's not here to free us from Rome, then what is he here to do? And you gotta you gotta keep backing up and breaking it down and, and looking at the big picture because he wasn't here for a physical deliverance, he was here for a spiritual deliverance. I mean, if you study the history, you'll you'll notice that that the Jews still had to deal with Rome for like a couple hundred more years. What was the purpose in all that? And you see, I can't answer that question. I can't answer the question as to why history acts like it does. But see, when God steps on the scene, he sends his son, and they're expecting, they're like, you're here to deliver us from this physical oppression that we're dealing with. He's like, on the contrary, I am here to deliver you, but I'm here to deliver you from a spiritual oppression. I'm here to deliver you in this way. This is why you have to be very careful about how you expect God to do certain things because God will, he'll deliver, he'll give you things, he'll put you in the position to succeed, but we often don't see it because it's not done the way that we want it. We have an expectation for something else. It's like, God, I want you to, I was talking about this the other day, but, um, there were things that I asked for in my life, I was actually talking to Haven about this uh, yesterday, there are things that I've asked for in my life personally, I've asked God for Uh and I, I remember in the prayer being absolutely 100% full of faith. And I remember the confirmation that I felt in my spirit when he confirmed it to me, it's done. And I was like, oh, he's going to do it. You know, he confirmed it to me. It was done. I never would have imagined the level of difficulty it would to be actually to get to what he said I could have. He doesn't doesn't just give it to you for free. Mm -hmm. There will be a sacrifice. (laughs) There will be effort beyond your wildest dreams in order to accomplish what he said you could have. Now, he said you could have it, but it comes with work and it comes with sacrifice. And so you could say, in the midst of all of that, it's kind of like when you're a kid, you know, when when Misty and I were young, you know, when you're you're talking about, because we've been dating since we were in high school, you know, when you're dating, you're like, well, how many kids do you want to have? I think it'd be awesome to have five kids. A, it's a, that's the wildest thing to say, I'm telling you. There, it, it, it is the greatest experience of my entire life, but I could, I would have never imagined the level of difficulty. Would have never imagined. And you know, all of you that have kids, you know, the level of difficulty. It's the most beautiful thing I have ever experienced in my life, raising kids. I love it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But the, le- the, the level of difficulty from a scale of one to 10 is 11. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do it right. And I'm doing my best to do it right. We don't always do it right. We're doing it right. You understand what I'm saying. And so sometimes our expectations, I had expectations like, yeah, you know, we're just going to have five kids. That'd be great, won't it? It's like, you'd never imagine how expensive and how trying and how uh, how dedicated you have to be to actually get those kids from birth to grown. <laughs> You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so expectations uh, changed over the years, and we, I understood. I actually quit asking for things. <laughs> hey, without giving careful thought to what I was asking. Because I said, you know, God, he's, he's got this thing in my life. He always gives me what I ask for. And I think if you love the Lord and you've had any experience with him, you know he just spoils you <laughs> unbelievably. And so I, I've learned to give careful thought to what I'm about to ask for, because I have to realize what's going to come with it. The responsibility that's going to come with it. The the dedication and devotion that you're going to have to to have what you're doing. Much is given, much is required. Amen? You know that. Okay. Um, Jesus' kingdom would not be established through rebellion, but through sacrifice. That's where I'm at. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Jesus empowered and commanded his disciples to perform miracles, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. They were not to take money for their work. However, he did not prohibit them from accepting food and shelter. Neither the ministers nor the people to whom they minister should exploit the other. Jesus told his disciples to select a worthy person to stay with in each town they visited. Someone with a good reputation who is uh, receptive to the disciple and his message. Okay. Now that's that's a really good lesson there, because this is this is coming out of Matthew ten and eleven. He said you need to stay with a worthy person or someone who has a good reputation uh, and is receptive to the message. Those are the people that you should be hanging around. That's the lesson: is that those are the people you should be hanging around. Those are the people that you spend your time with. You spend your time around people who receive that message and who are also have good <coughs> names. And they don't discredit you as an individual. You see, that's what happens in the kingdom, though, is people say, well, I'm for the kingdom. But they hang around people who are not kingdom minded. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that you can't know and associate and have relationships. I, I get that. I understand that you that's the way that we get to people. What we're talking about is, is that if you're hanging around and spending your time with people who contradict the kingdom, your name is grafted in with theirs. And when they get arrested and they get caught with things that they shouldn't have in their possession, whose name is up for grabs? Mm. Now you say, well, say yours. That's true. Take it a step further.
1: Trust. His name. Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Because you're a representative of the kingdom. And why are representatives of the kingdom being in uh, finding themselves in situations like this, and compromising situations? It shouldn't be. So, now whether that's out in the open, or, or however you want to, however you want to to look at that, you have to disassociate yourself and disconnect from individuals who are involved in doing things that are anti kingdom. I'm telling you that I'm telling you that as a warning, but for your own for your own good. Some of you, some of you may say, you can't tell me who I can hang around with. See, that's the problem. It's the attitude that comes with it. So, no, I'm not trying to tell you who you can hang around anyway. I'm telling you it's costing you something if you do it and you don't realize what it's costing you. You don't realize it. In this, in this society we live in today, it's the all-inclusiveness that everybody is for now. It's this inclusivity. It's like, you know, God loves everybody. Yeah, of course he does. But you forgot that you were supposed to repent. hmm It's like, for some reason, we forgot that part of it. It's like, but God God loves them, too. I've been asked. I have been asked. Tanner, if these people I know, I know these people, and I'm going to really generalize this. In this, but this, I'm not making this up. This really happened. I was asked. um, So, Tanner, if they don't believe, if they don't believe in Jesus... They they believe in God but they just they don't really have the same faith that we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're really good people. Are they really going to go to hell? And hey, listen, I didn't make the rules. I didn't make them. I'm telling you, the only way to the Father is through the Son. Amen. Yeah. That's yeah. it. There is no other way. Mm-hmm. And so, I think we have a problem where it's almost like we're we're afraid to tell the truth at times. Mm-hmm. Because we're like, well, I don't really want to tell you that you're, you're going to hell. Well, it's not you. You're not really doing that. You're not judging. But I'm telling you, the Bible tells me that I can't make it to the Father except through the Son. Amen. And that's that I have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what he represented as taking on sin, that means i got to get away from sin. Amen. That's, my, that's my responsibility to get away from sin. And so it's as plain as that. Now, what you and God talk about on Judgment Day... That's between you and him. I can only go so far. I'm not going to judge you, but I will tell you that's the only way to the Father. And so, could that could that cause some discomfort to some people? <laughs> bet ya. Yeah, it really gets some people upset. That's like, but they're good people, though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Forget that. Drop that whole that whole idea that they're good people, and that's what should send them uh, to heaven. No. I, and and to be honest with you, that would be great, wouldn't it? If good people made it to heaven, but that's not the case. It's not the case, and so we have to. We know that it's only through Christ and Christ alone. Okay, um, they were to stay in the same place until the task of that location was finished. It was considered an honor to offer hospitality to strangers. If the disciples had moved around in the community, they would have brought shame to the household. So when they left a the house, they were to leave the town. <laughs> to salute a family was to show kindness and respect, the usual salutation of the day. Peace be with you was made in the name of Jesus, who had the power to bring peace to their home and lives. If the household accepted their message, the blessing of peace would remain. But if they rejected the message, it would have been taken back because the Prince of Peace was not welcome there. When a household or town did not welcome the disciple or receive their message, the disciples were to shake the dust shake its dust from your feet as you leave. After traveling in Gentile towns or regions, it was common for Jews to stop and shake off the dust from their sandals before re-entering the promised land. Jews who rejected their message were to be treated as unbelieving Gentiles. A town that rejected the good news would be worse off than Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment. Rejecting God's message or messenger is serious. So I want to lay one thing to you uh, before we switch uh, to section two. And, and it's this, it's like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And what I mean by that is, is that we put all of our hopes and all of our, just everything into this one witness that we're doing. we got this one individual we've been working on and we talk with them and we talk with them and then they just ultimately flat out, they're like, you know what? No, it's, I, I'm sorry. It's not for me. I don't, I don't want no part of it. And then we're devastated and we're, oh, I'm just, i just, I'm doing an awful job. And, and then we stop we stop. We don't really want to talk to anyone else because, man, it's just not working. I'm doing something wrong. No. Shake the dust off your feet. Keep moving. Keep moving. They rejected you. That's fine. Keep moving. Nobody likes rejection. I get that. But do you understand? uh, I'm going to tell you something. And it's been hard. It's hard for all of us. I'm not not saying it's just you. It's hard for everyone, including myself. We got to get past ourselves. And we got to get past rejection. I would say in that area, we kind of need to grow up a little bit. It's like We've been scared of rejection ever since we were kids. It's like, okay, let's get past it. Let's get past it. And let's get rejected by 10 people. Think about it. Think about it. Let's shoot for it. Let's get rejected by 10 people. I'm going to I'm not going to stop witnessing until I'm rejected by 10 people. Most people stop at 1. But how many lives did you touch by getting rejected by 10? Think about it. So we're too worried about the rejection. You still planted that seed. You still planted the seed. Yeah. Think about the good that is being done by opening your mouth. That's what I'm really pushing, is that we just don't open our mouths enough. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. It's like, I need to open my mouth. I told the Holy Spirit. I was like, remind me when there's opportunities that I'm not seeing. Man, he sure does it. Here's your opportunity right now. I'm like, well, I wasn't ready. I'll do it next time.
1: You ready?
0: Church, open our mouths. Let's open our mouths. All right, part two, hazards of being sent. This is a good one. Jesus wanted his disciples to know he was sending them into perilous situations as sheep among wolves. Much of the world is growing increasingly intolerant of the gospel. Many people violently and vocally oppose God, his people, and his message, just as they did in Jesus' day. This is why this is not to be a surprise to you. This is why I don't spend a lot of time on this. Personally, from a personal perspective, I don't spend a lot of time personally looking at the rejection aspect of it because it's to be expected anyway. It's like, oh well. It's like your life's tough because of Jesus. Oh well, you that's what you signed up for, right? You knew there may not, there may be some difficult times ahead, but we that's what we signed up for. So that's what we expect. It? It's going to be tough sometimes. I would almost say that if it's not difficult, not tough, uh, and if, if it's all plush and easy, then maybe we're not doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you that from the biblical standpoint because biblically speaking, when you're engaged in the Spirit and you are engaging other people, there's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some difficult stuff to take place, uh, some stuff that you're probably not going to be really agreeable with. Jesus' followers should approach the dangers awaiting them by being as wise or shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. The Greek word for wise or shrewd means prudent. Rather than being uh, conniving or underhanded, they were to be straightforward and sincere. There's a lot of reasons for this. But look, how are you going to win people if you're not straightforward? Just be straightforward about this. Wouldn't you agree that that's one of the things that keeps us, tell me if I'm wrong, this is one of the things that stops us from actually engaging other people is that we're afraid we're going to be asked a question we don't know the answer to. So think about that for just a minute. What's, what is that? That's, a, that's an internal, that's a core fear that's directly connected to that rejection. I don't want them, I want to represent well, and so I need to be able to answer every question that is asked of me when I'm asked. You see, we're actually, by, by putting yourself and putting that kind of pressure on yourself, we're actually missing the point altogether. The point wasn't, that you were able to answer every question. Now, should you study to show yourself approved? Sure. Should you have an understanding of what salvation is about? Yes, you should. But that's not the point. The point is, is that when you are asked and you do not know, the best thing you (laughs) can say is, I don't know. Why? Because that's straightforward. That's not conniving. They know when you're pretending. You know that, right? The world knows when you're pretending to know something that you do not really know. So it's like, you get asked the question, I'll be honest with you, I really don't know. But let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's dig on that a little bit. I I think it's better for you to get that scenario and to, to prolong this relationship with whoever you're with that needs this question answered for them because now you're in their life this is a good thing. Now, if you had answered the question for them, they'd have been like, okay, thanks. And went on. Actually, the fact that you've been challenged and they've been challenged and now you're both looking for an answer is actually a good thing. Because now you have a connection. See, we're afraid for all the wrong reasons. And I'm telling you this because these are some of my own core and internal fears. It's like, man, I've I stand up here and teach you guys i better know the answers and some of those very fears keep me from doing some of the things that i need to do on a daily basis so we should push past that right we should push into the unknown <clears throat> push into those places to that that are going to challenge us and get us conversating and having these conversations okay so we're going to be straightforward and sincere Jesus' warnings were meant to prepare his followers for the opportunities persecution would bring. When persecution came, the Holy Spirit would give them the words to speak to maximize the effectiveness of their witness. There's another role of the Holy Spirit, and we trust the Holy Spirit, don't we? Amen. It's kind of like, like bungee jumping. I would never do that, by the way. <laughs> it's fine. No, jump. Make the jump. and we trust the Holy Spirit... That he'll give the correct words to say every one of you i think that one time or another have experienced this but i think what happens is is it's that we're 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 not understanding that it's not a one-time thing the holy spirit is going to put words in your spirit to speak each and every time not just once or twice every time and i i think i believe it's something that has to be exercised Exercised. do it over over and over again Putting ourselves in that situation, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak, and when you do that, when you do it, it's going to sharpen that. It's going to get yourself sharp. You're going to you're going to understand and know. Okay, I know the answers to those questions now. Engaging is not so difficult now. It's a little easier, but we got to be willing to do it. Got to be willing to do it. Okay. Um, what was that? Um, Jesus explained. Yeah, Jesus explained. Uh, the world would hate anyone who attempted to expand his kingdom. Satan is the source of this hatred. Absolutely. Uh, Even family members would turn against one another because of him. Parents have disowned their children. Siblings have shunned their uh, believing brothers and sisters, and in some places, family members have betrayed one another to death for accepting Christ. Rather than concealing the cost of discipleship, now I want you to listen very carefully to this. Rather than concealing the cost of discipleship, Jesus encouraged his followers to remain faithful when persecuted, promising that everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Thank you, Father, for not concealing the cost. And that's what you have to, that's what we talked about at the beginning, and that's what we have to come to grips with, is what does this thing cost to be a disciple? And he said, this is the way you, this is your perspective, this is your mentality, is that it's going to cost a lot, could cost you everything, but know that because you were willing to pay the price, you get to inherit eternal life fair trade. Amen. Oh, it's way outweighed. You understand that, right? Momentarily here, eternity, right? Yes. Amen. And so we're, we're we're giving our lives away for the sake of the gospel. We're giving it away for the effectiveness of, of the gospel in the hopes that people are reached because that's been the theme since the very beginning. And so why are we still so attached to this thing here? Because eternity is where we're all going anyway. Whether it's over here or whether it's over here. Mm-hmm. One way or another. We're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now think about that, church. Think about it. That should shake you up. We're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. We're going to one place or the other. It should, even for people who are saved and you know Jesus as your Savior, this is some stuff that should really curl you up. Yeah. Thank you. There is a possibility I could land in hell. You see, there's no gray area. There is no gray area. And that's something that's going on in our culture today where everyone seems to be specializing in gray areas. Well, I know it means this, but then there's this meaning over here and it's, the, the truth is somewhere in between. Look, when it comes to eternity, there's not going to be a gray area. Uh, at one time they called that purgatory. You know, it's, you know, it's like somewhere in between there. There's no purgatory church. You either going to be giving everything for Christ, and you're going to heaven, or we're going to be found lacking, and we're going to end up in hell.
1: <laughs>
0: that is some tough stuff. It is, but I think we gotta, I think we gotta learn to digest that. Okay. Um, persecuted Christians are not always required to keep enduring this treatment. Jesus instructed his apostles to flee to another town if they were persecuted. Arriving in a new place would allow them to share the gospel with a new audience. Jesus said the Son of Man would return before all the cities of Israel had been reached. There is a debate as to his meaning, but the task of reaching lost people is still before us. We must continue sharing the gospel until Jesus returns. Absolutely. Until Jesus returns or t- until when? Until you die. Until you die. Those are the two ending points. Until Jesus returns or until you die. But the mission is still the same. Okay, let's move to section three. I think we might we, we get to some of it. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Jesus wants everyone to have the opportunity to enter his kingdom, so he expects his followers to confidently share the gospel with those who need to hear. He warned his followers the enemy would go to any length to stop them, but he did not want to instill fear in their hearts. Three times he told the disciples, don't be afraid. Fear of persecution might tempt us to compromise our message, but we must not prioritize safety over truth. I want to I want to insert something here and the flow of the lesson. Is talking about the possibility of, or, or you know, him saying, "Do not fear," which means what? If you don't fear, remember, fear is a fear. Do not fear is a choice, and you're being told that because fear is probably present, and and that comes back to those expectations, comes back to some of the prayers, and I'm reminded of these prayers when I was uh, I was younger, and it was my prayer was. Remove the fear. Remove the fear from me. Take it all away. How many have prayed that prayer? (laughs) Remove the fear. Take the fear away from me. You see, it's not, that's not the way it works. Fear is always going to be present to some degree. When you are not fearing, when he says, do not fear. Not fearing is a choice in spite of. It's like, well, I just wished it wasn't there. So do I. But that's not the way it works. You have to choose to push forward. You have to choose in spite of the way that you see. How do you know? Well, well how do you know that you're doing it correctly? It's Like I've, I actually was asked this question one time. It's like, well, it says not to fear, but I feel the fear inside of me. How do I get it out of me? It's like, okay, look, we all feel things. But the way that you know that you're not being compromised by fear is that you're continuing to do the thing that you're afraid of.
1: Amen.
0: That's how you know. That's the evidence. It's like we, we are looking at the wrong thing. It's like, well, I, I feel this fear, and I'm going to use this for today's lesson. I feel this fear of witnessing. I'm afraid to witness because I'm afraid of the rejection. Not fearing means that you do it in spite of. Well, I just wish the fear would go away. Well, so do I, and there's a really good chance that it will over time. But the way that you confront it is that you do the thing that you are afraid to do. That's the way that you don't fear. It's like don't let fear paralyze you. Cuz fear has a very specific trait about it. It's paralyzing. It makes you it makes you stop what you were currently doing and makes you go in another direction, right? That's what fear does. But if I'm not gonna fear, then what does that look like? It means that I'm not going backwards, it means I'm going forwards, even though I might still feel fear. I got, you know, you got this, I don't know what your fears are, but we feel it inside of us. Everybody's got fears. Confrontation, uh, (coughs) fear of issues in our marriages or with our relationships with our children or our spouse or whatever. We've got fears. Fears of the economy. We've got these fears. And if you catch yourself sometimes overthinking it. Anyone ever do that other than me? You're over. You're thinking about it like way too much. And the more you think about it, you start to notice your behavior starts to support the thought. And you don't even realize it, but you're living in fear. To, live in, to not live in fear or to not fear is to continue with what you're doing even though you feel the enemy pounding on your door saying, you should be afraid of that. You should be really afraid of that because fear, fear has made you cripple you. It's to, it's to make you stop doing what you're doing. The church has got to get a grip on that today. It's because there's a lot of things, right? right would you agree that there's a lot of things right now that people are afraid of. People are afraid of what the, people people are afraid of who the next president's gonna be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're afraid of these things. We're afraid of what's gonna happen. (laughs) And I'm I'm having fun here, okay? (coughs) What will happen if we get four more years of Biden? Mm. Fear Mm -hmm. sets in. And I'm using this as an example, okay? We have to continue to do what we're doing in spite of what we feel. Amen. That's not fearing. We're pushing through that hard wiring inside of us that says, you should stop now. That's enough. We shouldn't stop. You should keep moving. Keep moving forward. So he said, fear of persecution might tempt us to compromise our message, but we must not pri- uh, prioritize safety over truth. Um, I, I kind of disagree with the way they put it. Fear of persecution might tempt us to compromise our message, but we must not prioritize safety over truth. Uh, use wisdom. I think that's what I want to say. Use wisdom. Yes, you should be willing to give all for Christ, but you're not to be. Uh, you're not to be using lack of wisdom. Okay, uh, you got to u- you use your head. Even in persecution, we can take comfort in knowing God sees us and will comfort and strengthen us. Jesus promises, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. On the other hand, anyone who denies Jesus on earth will be denied by Jesus in heaven. And you really don't, you do not want to be denied by Jesus in heaven before the Father. You do not want that scenario. According to Micah 7, 6, Jesus declared that he, as the Messiah, had come to set up uh, those who followed him against those who did not, regardless of their relationship. Jesus' followers would likely lose, listen to what the lesson's saying here, Jesus' followers would likely, likely lose family relationships and even their lives because of their shift from family religious tradition to the message of Christ. Jesus wanted his followers to weigh the cost of following him. Weigh it. Think about it. We've been talking about this all morning. Is What does it really cost and am I willing to actually pay that? Because the very things that he's talking about, I think that gets to, down to a real a core element of our, our country and our humanity, is that the very things that he's talking about at being at risk of losing are the very things that you and I want to protect. We're, we're, hard, we're hardwired to protect our families and to want to make sure there's no rifts in our families and to make sure that everything is good. And we want those things to work out well. Well, see, what he's saying is, he said, But because you're a representative of the kingdom, it could pit you against the very things that you hold dear. And he's saying, I'm telling you that if you'll be willing to give those things up, that you will be rewarded for eternity. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to go out and give up your families or anything like that. He's saying, if it comes to it, head-on confrontation, you choose me over that. And you will be rewarded. That's what he's saying. He's saying you have to be willing to give everything. And that's hard for us sometimes because, because we are protecting those things. We don't realize that, that he's saying that that could very well be the cost. They should understand that paying this price would lead to fulfillment on earth and eternal life in heaven. Opposition is often uh, the cross believers bear to obediently follow Christ. That's, that's true. It means death to self family relationships, and a familiar lifestyle, yet whatever a person sacrifices to follow Christ is worth it, even in their own life. In verses 40 through 42, Jesus explains how valuable the disciples are to God. The Father cares about their physical welfare as they do the work of spreading the gospel. Those who receive them with hospitality and generosity, accepting their message and acknowledging the one who sent them, will take part in their reward. I'm out of time. I went about a minute over, so I apologize. Um, But I wanted to finish that out. Uh, what's it, what's it, what does it cost what does it cost to follow him what, is it, what does it cost you I don't know what it cost you you only you really know what you have to pay in order to follow him correctly and so I leave you with that um, search yourselves search yourselves and ask yourself that question what is it fo- uh, what's it going to cost me to, to follow him the way he needs to be followed and am I willing to pay it out of time guys God bless you thank you